Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, the boy with a thorn in his side, the eye of a tiger, the voice of an angel, but the genitalia of a grown-ass man, everyone's favourite Calgarian, Dr. Luke Gledall. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad that you could do such an upbeat, fun (laughs) intro for me. Um, helps lift my spirits right after you know watching a a game that wasn't very fun. I'm gonna be no, honest. It, it was maybe the uh, the polar opposite of fun, but we'll uh, we will get into that in good time. Don't you worry, ye not. Um, I was in search of of um, sort of inspiration for the intro today. I was uh, I was looking up um, famous things about Calgary, and the first oh, yeah. Google hit when you put that in uh, takes you to a page that begins with Cal- Calgary is a location that most people have at least heard of before, even if you don't know exactly what the fa- the city is famous for. Those who live outside Calgary may have vague associations of the Olympics hockey or its impressive mountain scenery but there's more to it than that uh and then it just goes on basically to say how it's quite nice and clean effectively that's that's those are the, the main things but i just thought it was very funny that that first sentence was like well at the very least some people have actually heard of it heard of it in your face doubters <laughs> i always like there's a couple of kind of pop music references which i like to reference in terms of calgary um one of which is uh death Cab for cutie I have a song, I Will Follow You Into the Dark, which has a line, uh, you and me have seen all we need, all, all there is to see from Bangkok to Calgary, ah. which is a very nice kind of line very to nice. kind of really work in the uh, song title into that rhyming scheme. The other one I quite enjoy is there's a great Bon Iver song called Calgary, which basically uh, Bon Iver or Justin Vernon, the man himself, basically said he wrote it. He wrote it with a view of a, you know, a romantic place in mind, but then basically saying he'd never been to Calgary. So I I really enjoyed that the fact that uh, this is a man who thought it was imagined it was something uh, pretty spectacular but he'd never been here. Lovely stuff. Mm-hmm. We should move along to uh, to cover the the news from the week. Breaking hoo hoos. In terms of news, another sort of slower week. We've we had all the excitement of the transfer window, but uh, the it's a kind of one thing that's absolutely set in stone, which we weren't sure about before, which is the date for the FA Cup uh, tie with Man City. So that's going to be fourth of March, and it's going to be on BBC, which uh, I presume means you'll be able to watch it overseas. If I wanted to, I guess I could. Let's <laughs> be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big if, um, but so that's that's uh, nice to have that sort of set in the diary, something to look forward to. Feels a long way away if we we've, we've got several uh, more punishing league matches between then and there. Um, the only competition that we can pick up wins in the FA Cup, so we you know we've got that to in the in the horizon uh, to look forward to. And then the, the the other bit of news really is that it seems to have become the perceived wisdom that there's been a bit of a falling out between. Monk and uh, at least Hutchinson, uh, maybe Kieran Westwood. 
as well. Uh, so what do you make of that rumour? I guess there's the interesting kind of thing to look back on, and we talked a lot about... Well, I don't think we've talked a lot. I think there's been a lot of talk about how, looking back at the times of Yos Lukai, Yos Lukai maybe was onto something, is what I've heard a few people saying. And, you know, interesting. That basically seems to be a bit of a rift in the changing room. And maybe there's some characters that are not kind of um, treating things in the right way, basically. Not having the right kind of application, right kind of mentality. And just having a bit of a kind of laugh, at uh, which is kind of maybe looking to kind of... Um, kind of undermine things, undermine the manager, undermine the dressing room. And it's interesting that basically this was something that was previously brought up through a manager who had a pretty terrible time at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm going to be a little bit generous and not say he's a terrible manager himself. I think he has some mentality, some generous. ideas. Very generous that were probably um, maybe some concepts that weren't working alongside maybe some a bad execution of that at those ideas as well. So it'd it be like interesting to think if you... I mean, here's the interesting thing I think to go into is I feel looking into a very precarious nature at Sheffield Wednesday and thinking about Gary Monk's contract that's coming up at the end of this this season. Is that official? Do we know that? Or is that... Or maybe that's just just I pure we weirdly had conjecture. A, yeah, I thought we don't. I thought we weirdly just don't say what the coaches' contracts are. But that could be the case as well. Um, do you remember the really interesting kind of thing with Carlos Calvajal? Do you remember it was like it said like he had this really long contract and it was like it was said in the media. Oh yeah, he signed, and then he hadn't said it hadn't been done. Yes. That I do was remember. incredibly strange. And, um, I mean, I don't know. Football's never particularly a long-term kind of mentality, but this seems to be a real kind of um, a panache of executing a real level of short-termism at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. So the thing I'm kind of saying in relation to this, just my big roundabout uh, Harry Maguire turning circle <laughs> that I'm doing to this story here, is the thing is, like, would you what would things look like if you gave a manager a long-term kind of vision to kind of execute and what could they do within that time? And especially going off the back of this result today and a lot of performances, we're a club again in the need of a, another revision, another rebuild that needs to be done. So this is the interesting thing. If Hutchinson is done seemingly at the club, it's, it's been a good, it's been a good stint. It's, yeah. uh, I'm I'm happy for his spell at the club. I mean, there could be more twists in his tail to come. Um, but as it kind of stands, it is looking very much like he's going to basically see how his contracts and will be done, and they'll be finding finding a contract somewhere else. And I think he should be okay getting something else. You know, for the next kind of two three years of his career, there's not the kind of view of him retiring at Sheffield Wednesday that he he kind of said and put out in interviews. Um, Unless he outlasts another manager, because you know you're. Uh, his contract was up that that summer uh, when Luke yeah. Kai dropped him from the squad, and he got he got another contract, and and Yoss was let go. Because um, the interesting, these... yeah, Sorry. the interesting I want to say about that is someone you know made an astute observation about this on Al's talk. While there's been a lot of kind of conversation and conjecture on this narrative of players being frozen out, because I mean that was the interesting thing was so I, I get, this all came about because Monk was interviewed after the game last week and said you know and what's what's up with Hutchinson and said no he's he's just out of the eighteen 
basically. Yeah. And to have that in a situation where you're playing Joey Pelopesi, who, you know, I've, I feel like I've said enough about how I feel about Joey Pelopesi on this podcast. And then also to the point where you're looking to stretch the stretch the squad by including youngsters. And I really feel that we're including youngsters on the bench purely because there aren't enough fit professionals. Yeah. Um, because I don't think there's any great exceptional talents who really in that, uh, you know, can really offer something different from the bench or really replace and renovate, uh, you know, renovate the first 11 that's going on with the game. So, you know, it's pretty then to look at it from that mentality. I think it's pretty damning to exclude Sam Hutchinson if he's fit, because we have a bit where Lee and Luongo have been questionable with the, you know, whether they're fit. So, yeah, just going down to our only two fit centre midfielders, which are basically Barry Bannon and Joey Pelopesi, who I would objectively say we can't ever really drop Bannon because we don't really have, even though I think he looks a little bit tired and looks a bit kind of lacking in kind of vision right now. Mm. <clears throat> it's just not something we can do. Joey Pelopesi, was... I would love to drop. Um, I'd love to drop from the um, the top of the roof of the cup, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I mean, I, I've sort of marked, you know, myself out as someone who can appreciate sometimes what what Pelo Percy can do. But I do think a two with Bannon is it's a hard job for most players, and it it doesn't suit Pelo Percy. I, I I generally like Pelo Percy in a three because I think he lets the other two kind of get on with doing the exciting stuff. Mm. Pelopesi in a two with Bannon does not work, but most people don't work in a two with Bannon because he's he's in discipline to the point where you can, you literally don't know what you can do as a partner of Bannon because sometimes he harries back. I mean, he made a great bit of a defensive uh, intervention today, he sort of chased the, the fullback all the way to the byline and stopped a cross coming in. And that's great, but he doesn't always do that. Sometimes he doesn't mm. bother defensively. Other times he harries everything. So as his partner, you have to always be ready to either sit back and let him chase or immediately hand the opposition. And like positioning-wise, I just don't know where you'd find yourself standing when you try and play alongside Bannon defensively. Mm. It's obviously a very easy job to be his partner attacking-wise, and, and Pelle Pessi uh, sort of does that bit fine, which is just essentially pass the ball to Bannon and let him do what he does, is what the defence tend to do as well. But it's re- it is really, I mean, Hutchinson, you've got to feel that the, the midfield, certainly as a, playing as a two, would have been stronger with Hutchinson in it the last couple of games yeah um and today being a, a derby game although it didn't have very much heat to it would have been the sort of game that, that hutchinson really relishes mm. the, the big I thing mean, with Yost was yeah. at, at that time he'd also dropped westwood who was far and away the best keeper we had dropping westwood now whether it's for form or personality issues is less of a statement and i do, yes. i do think probably by the time i i worry if if we're in the situation where you know player power wins out again and well we we should maybe we should just segue into the game but i thought sort of looking at monk he just looked a bit of a, a beaten man today on the sidelines he just didn't look engaged and my, my worry is i mean if the, if it is the case that it's 12 months with another 12 months added on you know kind of either side have got an option or both ha- have the option to take up another year my worry is he he might think is this something i is this something i want to take on because there's no guarantees about yeah. what 
be there in terms of resources. And we've got all these players that can leave, but financial fair play doesn't really muddies the waters in what what that will actually leave us. So you might say, oh, great, we get rid of all these big wages. Mm. We've got that to build a squad with. But with financial fair play, that could easily not be the case. If we've overspent this year, that means we've kind of got to account for this year's overspending next year and maybe the year after. There's just the, it's the never-ending hole of this, really, isn't it? Basically, I mean, I don't understand why the clubs have agreed to this such a stringent set of rules. Yes, they've locked themselves in a in a coffin at the bottom of the sea in a straitjacket (laughs) (laughs) and swallowed the key. They're doing for the. For the more North American listeners and for myself, it's the kind of, is it the Harry Houdini going through Niagara Falls in a barrel, basically, yeah. And the effect has been similar to Harry Houdini asking people to punch him in the stomach, which led to his... We've, we've, the clubs have collectively hoiked out their beer guts and asked the EFL to pummel well, their innards. I don't know. I mean, the system's broken, so I almost imagined... Like, Because I think this was the first thing I think a lot of fans thought about financial fair play, because this is rolling, so effectively it's going to be... Now it's going to be the last two seasons. I mean, if everything is signed off and ratified, then effectively we're in an interesting position next year, because we're going to have a lot of big earners off the books, but then we should have a big, serious chunk of change to make some maneuvers with. Sure. You know, yeah, because effectively, if you know, if um, if this all holds up, which I'm thinking it, it kind of has to. I mean, I could be well surprised. Um, the fact that basically, as we've seemingly said, from we're putting maybe two and two together, a lot of people are doing this as well, and basically saying if the EFL have previously said, yeah, that's fine, and then completely gone back on their word, yeah, um, that's uh, that's pretty pretty poor. Really, it's it, it's not really going to stand. How is it going to hold up in court? So, you know, if then that's ratified and we've sold the stadium for a giant chunk of change to Chancery to, to plow some money into the club, we should have quite a bit of money to, to do some things. And even if there is like an FFP... Um, like kind of soft kind of embargo that's brought in. I mean, you do get the allowance of saying that you can have something like 23 paid professionals at the squad. I mean, if we're looking at the standards that were caused by the Bir- what happened with Birmingham, yeah. they were allowed to sign players to the tune of, was it 11 and a half grand a week? Yes, Which, yeah. Um, I don't know if we've previously talked about We did previously talk about this, didn't we? Like, how did someone, a you were saying, how did that, how has that come up as a figure? And yes. how do we know that's true, I guess, which is a very good point, Rich. Yeah. Um, but what, yeah, what I mean, that, if, what does that if, buy you in the market? Is what does that get you in the market? Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, largely, the free transfer dealings have been pretty good. Yeah. Largely. Largely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, as we uh, we talked about last week, better than our money signings <laughs> generally. Largely, yeah. That is kind of coming into my point. I was saying about spending cash in this environment. Like, unless you can afford to, I, I think that's a big thing. It's like a, a cash signing is a big gamble. That's all I want to say. So it's like, can you afford to speculate for that much? And I think the problem has recently been is that the past few years, it's really hers to we haven't been able to afford to speculate. No, you know the speculations we made have made us made a very difficult situation for us and then there's the risk and the idea on top of that of you know is the you know is the player is the player worth that much um is the is the price tag hurting the player is the price tag hurting us um there's a lot of 
a lot of questions. And and what we've kind of typically found is, you know, our record signing has has just been the worst pound for pound. Yes. You yeah. know, as opposed to maybe one of our probably biggest um, assets that we managed to keep hold of, and that's Dominic Iortha, a player who we signed for an absolute pittance. And yet, potentially, it was talked about in in newspaper conjecture that you know he could be a player going for big sums of money. Yeah. So what is you know like. I hope there's some kind of retrospective on this. Um, so, I hope there's mo- moratorium, one of my favorite oh, words. Yeah. One of the favorite words of different gravy podcasts. Um, <laughs> you know, I hope there's a moratorium into the transfer dealings and how that goes. Um, I, I'd really love to know if there's any great retrospective or any kind of look back on how this kind of goes from a Chancery's perspective, who kind of doesn't really have a great, you know, he said he's confessed himself he's not a football man. Um, he's really handed over the, you know, the keys to a series of agents who, you know, have their interests. But supposedly, I mean, you know, previously we tried to do, we did a prototype of what Wolves did just to a much lesser degree and a much yes, lesser yes. financial, financial and player star ability as to what Wolves In, did. So, instead of Ruben Neves, we had uh, Marco Matthias, which was not mm, a fair swap. <laughs> mm. I was even going to say instead of, you know, instead of some of those star players, you know, we got David Jones. Oh, yeah. You know, but you could kind of see them. I mean, it was, but I don't know. Everything was still, it's still a very much a mentality of a short-termism. It's very much like, what do we need to do to get over the line? Hence the signing of Jordan Rhodes. Hence the signing of a lot of these, um, you know, these championship expendables. These players who've been there and done it before, you know, who can supposedly have the skill in now and, oh, they've done this before. So, I mean, that's an interesting well, that concept. Mo- yeah, that, that was, was the similarly... model of that first squad, wasn't it? The f- yeah. The first squad was essentially <clears throat> buying up lots of proven talent that, that hopefully had a couple of years left in the tank and effectively just kind of, well, we'll talk about berries and juice and things like that all the time. But, you know, get the get the last out of these these, you know, proven juicy berries and then... Once we get over the line into the Premier League, you you sort of scrap that and start again. But you've got lots of money to scrap that and start again. Uh, the fact it so it didn't work the first time. We got very close this, that first time. We got close again the second time with very few additions. I think that Jones was the main addition, wasn't he, that summer? Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, it's got it's it we've got further and further from that model i think as the years have gone by we've also got it we've been less and less effective in our dips into it you know people like uh, abdi and boyd just didn't work even though in on some level you could say that well that they're so like somebody like pudil or, or you know those those uh, or wallace or however many players in that first squad mm. but you know bruce signed younger players by and large so it's hard to know it's been it's been so scattergun really of late it's hard to know what this summer would look like if if we do have kind of somebody in place that we we trust to to build a squad and the resources to do that my sort of question with the the ffp was obviously we cleared the decks debt wise with the purchase of the ground um let's assume for the moment that that's allowed to stand Mm. how much did we lose this season because that that takes us back into the red and then we're only allowed to lose x amount next season before we're in trouble again because it's not like we made we lost loads of money apart from the ground so 
if we lose loads of money again this season, which we probably will, because we didn't get rid of anybody, how much of are we going to have to play with next year or now or in summer next season? Mm. And should we should we talk about the game? I know we don't want to, but. <laughs> No, I know, I know we need to, um, you know, and, and this is the constant uh, problem with uh, doing this podcast, Rich, is that I'm really figuring out the depths of how much I dislike Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> oh, dear. <clears throat> yeah, I think we should hard, go into the game. So hard, I think, hard to love at this point in time, our Sheffield hard Wednesday. Hard to love, hard to love. Um, one connection I think I really want to make is we were talking about we're talking about the freezing out of Sam Hutchinson and you're talking about the partnership in the middle middle of the park in this four four two kind of mentality or a middle two pairing basically for centre midfielders. And um you're talking about the difficulties of that. I, I think, and especially looking at the, just to kind of segue onto the formation mm. for the that we took, the lineup was incredibly wacky, I must say. We both kind of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of did like a little Tex Avery uh, eyes coming out of our head, but uh, but our um, our tongues didn't roll out like we'd seen a attractive cartoon woman. Um, it was that was that was a miss because it was very very strange. And I, I think the thing I kind of want to say is it it doesn't look like there's a perfect formation. Do you know, today the 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 what it looked like was what the team ends up looking like when you're manically chasing you know to get a lead back or to or to kind of turn a draw into a, a win that's the sort of lineup you end up with in the 85th minute because it doesn't work there's no function to it <laughs> it's all about well we've got some we've got all of the attacking players on so hopefully good attacking things will happen it's not based on a way to play and a way to mm. beat the opposition it's just purely throwing personnel at it and hoping that <laughs> hoping that kind of just by you know balance of play you've got more attackers so you will score a goal but but it's bizarre to start out the game in that way <laughs> so to just to go through the 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 way we 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 lined up um Obviously, Cameron Dawson in goal. My the other thing that immediately worried me about the lineup was the back four. So we've moved Iorfa to right back. That means Lees and and Burner in the middle and Liam Palmer left back. I think we well. I think we've been very. I've been very clear anyway that Tom Lees is not the guy that I want to see in that right sided centre back berth anymore. I think Iorfa has made it his own. But I think maybe more than that. I don't have any faith at all in Iolfa at right back. He seems to have got considerably worse at playing that position. I know that was his the position he came to us to play, but he just looks all the things that worried us about that first centre back appearance from Iolfa happened to him at right back. And I suppose it's yeah. less it's less frightening at right back because generally if you're clumsily lumbering into a foul it's happening outside the box more often than not. But I just, he seems to be less comfortable in possession. He seems to get caught out all the time positionally. I mean, he was co- he was constantly making up for his own mistakes today and sometimes not doing it particularly well. Um, <laughs> so to, to continue the the, 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 the lineup, Pelopessi was kind of the holding yeah. midfielder. Barry Bannon joined him in the midfield. And then we had a very attacking front four of Fernando Forestieri, Alessio Dacruz, um, Josh Windas, 
and Connor Wickham. The thing I, I kind of want to say was, I mean, I guess there's this uh, formation feels like maybe maybe formation doesn't really matter as much as I think it does, and I think maybe that's kind of a British kind of mentality applying it towards you know football is formation's kind of huge. Um, but I, I, the thing I kind of want to say to kind of draw out that last point I was trying to make was, yeah. you know, if, if we're doing something, it kind of means we can't do something else. Mm. You know, so it's like the four three three. The four three three, I think, only kind of maybe works with Fletcher. Did four three three work with Fletcher? I can't even remember. I'll be honest. But I just think you, you know, need a solid base in the in the. This, I don't. I, I don't even know if this was a four three three. This was more like four two four. Or yes. No, I, I wasn't two, even two, saying two. Because I don't even think it, didn't, yeah. didn't help the midfielders at all. And mm. I'm actually fairly pleased about that. I thought Windass, actually, of all the, the new recruits, not only did he score, but I think he was the best out of that front four. He, he seemed dangerous. He was finding pockets of space. He was the kind of out ball more often than not. Um and he did work hard. Mm. I, I yeah, I th- I thought he was the he's the only one that can kind of for me sort of wander away with a bit of pat, of a pat on the back potentially from today's performance. Okay, interesting. Um, just to kind of go back to formation, I just yes. to kind of back you up with your thoughts about I offer. I was a little bit. I'm falling into the uh, the Rich Miller. I'm calling on the Richard Miller banner of basically that we shouldn't really take up. We shouldn't really split up the uh, the centre back gang of I offer. And burner, you know, I really think we yeah. should have just played Irahidi at right back today. I I think it's it's the worst all round because it seems to put Iorfa on edge. Lee's just does not look comfortable, particularly mm. when he's like his distribution has dropped off so badly. Yeah, I think his kind of all round defending is still okay, and and certainly when it was kind of when Barnsley were like piling it on towards the end of the game, and it was it was a bit more kind of blood and thunder. I thought Lee's came into his own, and Burner sort of lost his head a little bit. But then that's also the the other point he made. I think Lee's makes Burner worse. Burner and I offer seem to be good foils for each other. They bring the best out of each other. And when they're separated, <laughs> neither of them's as good with another partner as they are with each other. Because he, uh, well, he got away with some things today, Burner. Really, really did. Some some really harem scarum defending from, from Julian Burner at times. Yeah. Um, so generally to kind of just maybe draw a line on the lineup, but I just, I wasn't a fan. No, um, no. Just, um, I just basically read in a better work. So I'm starting to regret being up at such an ungodly hour. Um, well, that's worth covering. It started with, so we had a one thirty kickoff for no good reason today. No, I wasn't on television. No, was it purely? I I don't understand the mentality behind. It's purely about policing, right? It's purely about a local derby. I don't understand the mentality. Is it supposed to be? It's supposed to be less time for the for any kind of oiks and ne'er do wells in the pub. Is that the mentality? That's right. That's basically it, I think. Yeah. But I mean, does it does it really make much of a difference? Because I, I, those people will find ways to just get ratted anyway. To well, be you honest. can buy beer whenever. <laughs> Most people do. Most people don't drink in the pub nowadays. They drink at home. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, if you are somebody that wants to get drunk and go to the football, you can definitely do it by one thirty. <laughs> it, it, it's ludicrous. And yeah, meant that you I had love a the start. I do love the mentality and thinking about 
there was a tweet recently. Well, it's an old tweet. I, I enjoy people unearthing old tweets, old questionable tweets from celebrities and people mm-hmm. of notes. So basically, there was a tweet from roughly about nine years ago now from Wayne Rooney, where basically saying, 12th, you know, midday kickoffs are terrible, you know. You can't be shoveling pasta in in your you know yeah. into yourself at nine a.m. in the morning. Um, the hilarious kind of uh, retweet with a comment. Someone said, um, basically, I would shove pasta up my backside at nine a.m. if I was getting paid what you were, mate. <laughs> Um, which is another, which is another kind of topic. But I think really, I underneath that, you know, I actually, even though it's it's fun to kind of throw stones and kind of be in the position of that person who retweeted with that comment, um, it's not good for football, is it no, really? No, it's just it completely. It's not a good timing, you know. And um, well, it certainly used to be the case. I haven't seen sort of an updated thing on that because actually these early kickoffs relatively are off are sort of new to football um, in, in in many ways. Uh, but it used to be a thing that certainly first halves of early kickoffs had significantly less goals than the first halves of, of three o'clock kickoffs. So it does sort of seems to take people time to kind of warm warm up into games uh, mm. which is kind of understandable i mean the more science that, that's applied to the way footballers behave and train and and all the rest of it presumably the more that they're they're sort of primed to be ready to go for kickoff time on a saturday and to have that change once every five or six weeks it has to have an effect it's like mm. you know runners and things like that they they're, they're sort of primed for when they when they will be running their whole day is kind of built around it and then in the same way you know like well like Wayne Rooney and his pasta it's um that's that, that's the way things are going the more that the more science and um thinking that's applied to the way that footballers live their lives the the harder actually switching you know losing three hours on one of the de- on the one of the performance days the, the more effect that will presumably have i would think so but i don't want to give them that excuse they were both up that early <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing yeah and then i think we've often had plenty of situations like especially like midweek games you know midweek performances haven't been particularly good at sheffield wednesday um but then the flip side of that is yeah the other team had to play as well and look they they did pretty well so i don't know it is it is a crap kickoff time we'll just we'll just say that basically and 130 it's not even because i would have thought this would be like 12 12 12 30 or something 130 it's like why why yeah it's bizarre i don't understand i don't understand just the weird kind of bending to policing that kind of happens yeah so so we were we were we had misgivings about the 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 lineup um sort of from the off um i think one of the notable things no adam reach involved at all odobajo um outside the outside the squad as well and win all so so quite but i suppose that's what bringing in those new players gives you is is some more choices it's just interesting that one of those choices was to completely remove from the squad adam reach um, I think win all sort of neither here nor there. Uh, although when you've got all those attacking players on the pitch um, and only one of one or two on the bench, then you again you're limiting your options to change things if if you need to. Um, I thought the pitch looked pretty bad. For, I think championship pitches by and large now are, are a really good standard and maybe even by and large as good as Premier League standard. It I don't know that pretty muddy today i don't know i thought it just looked like a regular pitch i'll be honest i didn't think it was too bad i mean they talked about 
they talked on the commentary from Rob O'Neill and John Pearson saying that it didn't look the best conditions. But I'm like, I don't know. It looked fine. I thought any time that you... It looked okay from the kind of standard angle, but any time somebody was zoomed in on, it looked like it was kind of 50-50 grass and mud. Certainly in, mm. in some bare areas anyway. Uh, the other thing I just took note of very early on is both teams just looked so fragile in terms of confidence. It's just really brittle, worrisome performances on both sides. Um, we were trying, clearly trying early doors to set a pace and set a bit of a tempo, but more often than not, it, that played against us because we were just rushing things and, and making un, unforced mistakes again and again. Um <sighs> Again, so, so many free kicks all the way through the game, giving away stupid free kicks. And Pelupesi was first and foremost on that on the uh, the bad list for that. But uh, Iorfa gave away loads of free kicks. Bannon gave away loads of free kicks. When Pelupesi was swapped mm. for Kieran Lee, Kieran Lee gave away stupid free kicks. If if Barnsley had one player that was capable of a half, one half-decent delivery, they must have been able to put the ball into our box 10 or 15, 10 to 15 times and mm. not one of them had any quality on it and we were lucky that that was the case because they yeah we just kept giving them chances um just frustrating all the way through and like the very last thing that happened in the game was another chance for them to put a ball in so even in the 93rd minute we were still negatively playmaking and giving them chances yes. chances and chances uh i'm just just sort of i didn't do sort of minute by minute notes and things like that but we we picked up our goal sort of after 15 minutes of not very much happening i i was unfortunately uh, mm. on the barnsley commentary so i i had martin devaney cockney sparrow uh feeding in <laughs> oh the legs are doing so good oh they're doing great um <laughs> but after 15 minutes of not very much we we got a there was sort of a throw in that they did they tried to play around at the back and kind of mess themselves up uh, De Cruz did quite well to kind of work his way in there and uh, the ball ended up spilling to to um, Windy Ass and he just uh, put it away in the in the bottom right hand corner it was a oh. very good finish nice to see him switched on sort of reminiscent of Murphy getting scoring with his first touch for us on the opening game of the season that, that sort of a chance you know it wasn't wonderful build-up play it just sort of scruffily came to him but he, he did his job and, and and tucked it away very well um i also thought wickham looks a long way from matt sharp i think that's fair i think he did pretty well considering though i would say he also he had a wonderful moment just before half time where he kind of that you know kind of mouth watering this is what we could be looking forward to as long as he keeps fit where he sort of pushed through the two center backs and 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 made a really good run into the box unfortunately he didn't have any options when he looked up so he just sort of cut it to the half to the uh, the penalty spot and it, it it was sort of cleared but it was that was a really nice little moment where he he uh, showed what he's about He's got pace, even though he's big. Yeah, that was a lovely moment as well. Sorry, I'm just uh, kind of looking over my notes. Um, <laughs> did you think there was some, um, not that I'm complaining and we were the ones who proffered, do you think there were quite a few fouls against us in the build-up for the uh, in the build-up for the Windass goal? Uh, maybe. I, I just, I thought the ref was, for in a game that really didn't have much going on, like there was no, not really big challenges and things like that. I thought the ref was so busy. He was just micromanaging everything. And that he didn't help. This was you know, cards on table. This game was an absolute stinker to watch. Awful. 
really, really bad. Two, it two was, bad teams. I don't know. I thought there was a lot of kind of... Um, I, I, the thing I was kind of surprised about the referee was I thought he was remarkably lenient, considering I thought there were probably a few occasions where he could have let... And another referee could have let it kind of go off the boil or like started dishing out a few yellows early on. Mm. It was a long time before we saw a yellow card in this game. Yeah, yeah. Which I was kind of surprised at. I mean, there's a couple of things of note. Um, I don't know if it was the first half, but Forestieri putting his hands on a player, like pushing mm. pushing one of the Barnsley players off the sidelines. I thought that was definitely going to be a yellow. Um, I do want to say as well, um, I think it was... I can probably tell you exactly when this was. It was a 28-minute uh, lovely old aerial challenge from Big Dom. It was a beautiful 360 haul. It was like if Tony Hawk was a wrestler. <laughs> Do you remember that one? It was kind of coming down and he kind of like threw himself and kind of wrapped him around. It was like this mini whirlwind. Yes. Yeah. It was really like a really balletic, um, you know, wrestling <laughs> move. It's something you wouldn't, you'd uh, quite comfortably see in the WWE. And I think you would, uh, but like, it was almost like the WWE came to the opera. It was kind of classy as well, I must say. <laughs> so I was surprised that I offered didn't, you know, didn't pick up a yellow for that. I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised that the, the referee probably in a good way i thought he was okay actually today i'm um i feel like me and you are going to probably disagree on quite a lot in this game i'm getting that feeling oh interesting okay um, i think i think i can probably agree with you i will come under your banner to say that this wasn't a good game of football <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty battling really well just on the ref, uh, one of the little bits of the nuggets of Barnsley commentary I uh, picked out, uh, Devaney said, you got to keep on at the ref, keep him guessing, uh, which made me laugh. Um, and then towards the end of the half, uh, the, the the main commentator said they've taunted and teased this Wednesday defence when I thought they'd done very little really but um, yes. yeah. so the, the real di- so once again <laughs> you know Groundhog Day-esque what we are talking about in terms of the Barnsley goal and really their only ser- serious effort on target I think in the game um an absolute... I, I don't know. I think up till that, I think definitely the first first half, I would say. I think the first half is like we kind of, I, I would say we defended pretty well and we kept them fairly quiet in the first yeah. half. The second half, the, we can get on to the second half. It, the second half was quite the opposite, I thought. Anyway. But in terms of shots, but, I don't remember Dawson. Ha- I think he had one save to make, actually. Yes. Uh, no, he made one the, really good first, save. In the first half, I would definitely agree with that. But yes, it needed to be a real moment of... Just awful howler. <laughs> I've made a comment that basically Dawson has turned into a Barry Bannon-like negative playmaker, <laughs> or maybe maybe currently just like Barry Bannon, basically, because it yeah. there was just absolutely I, what was he thinking? I I I can't. The weird thing is he did it again a little bit. Le- he did it again, but got away with it. Where he sort of shouted, the centre back could have easily dealt with it, and Dawson's tried to pump it upfield rather than just put it out and completely messed up. I mean, it was a nothing situation. It, was it Burner so here's the interesting. Took we the ball can't. From? Sorry. Was it Burner that he took the ball from? To, to I thought it was Palmer. The howler. Maybe it was Palmer. I think it was Palmer who was out there. They were both going for it, and it looked like basically like Dawson's like, okay, I've got this. 
and then just completely out of nowhere. I don't even know how he managed to do it. It's just, but it it, it looks as though it's not a missed kick because there was, you know, funnily enough, in the second half, in the same end, the Barnsley keeper did an absolute horrendous missed kick, which yeah. fortunately, but that was just a key, that was just a pure slice. That I think was it was just, a missed uh, kick from Dawson because I think he's trying to what he's tried to do. The most, the easiest ball for him is just put it straight out of play, but he, but he chose but to he, play it to hoof it up the field but he got it wrong and played it on the ground but it it looks like he's almost seen someone that he's going to play it to It's just oh, baffling. He, I mean, he like needs talking to go to spec savers, doesn't he? He really does. And I, sorry. I mean, talking about this error is difficult. And I don't want to just, you know, much like the game against Blackburn, where we said that, you know, I'd read a thesaurus, so it wasn't just me and you shouting awful, 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 awful. <laughs> you know, I also don't want this to just me just making a series of. <laughs> You know, a series of mouth noise about this, but there's but no way to talk about. People love when you beatbox, Luke. Yeah, I'm like the Razel of this podcast. <laughs> I know, I get it. Um, however, you know, talking about this, it's just so bad that, like, talking about it is a bit like it's like the Steve Martin quote: where "Writing about music is like dancing about architecture." Like, <laughs> there's no accurate way to sum up. Like, what the hell was he thinking? Yeah, it was just, it was just be, it was beyond poor. I can't believe he did it. I don't I don't understand. He just seems to have this periodic kind of memento thing about forgetting what the basics of goalkeeping are. Like, I don't understand. I mean, if you'd kick it and it was poor, well, there's plenty of times when he's... The funny thing is the rest of the game, I thought most of his kicking was okay. He had a few moments where some of his kicking was like, you know, it goes, it's flat and it goes to the opposition. And you're like, okay, in that situation, I can kind of see why it happened. I don't know how this even happened. But no. it's happened twice now in kind of two games. And he yeah. was, we can get onto the later bit as well, but he was very, very lucky to not be the, he was kind of like a bad pantomime villain in this game. Well, but he, he could have, that... it could have been worse. He could have been like a real, you know, he could have been a real James Bond mastermind villain. In this <laughs> one. But then look at the, look at what happened in the game. He is the villain. You know, oh, I know he take, is the villain, that, but I mean, take that, how, I, that I, exactly. But like said, out of nowhere error out of it we win that game i mean it's, we, we don't deserve to win the game but we win that game no but in in playing the uh him playing his like violin <laughs> solo at the orchestra yes. he could have been to the tune the villain to the tune of zero points as yes. opposed to the slightly lesser tune of villain of one point <laughs> dropping two points as opposed to yes. dropping three basically so that was the situation that happened to the but i just it it was just it's so embarrassing yeah it's it's poor it's just yeah it i can't say anything else other than it's just it's the most gutting thing about today is just completely gifting barnsley a goal out of nowhere yeah and again it's like i can get onto this when we talk about player ratings but i think i've said other times like the thing that really upsets me is when individual huge massive clanger errors which there's been countless this season and if if we hadn't had those think about where we'd be in the league we'd be a lot higher this is why i think this season's just been so monumentally disappointing for me the thing that i found was watching this game and thinking was that me and you at the beginning of the season said this is what's going to happen and it looks like it's panning out pretty correctly yeah but the man and the narrative in which it's getting there is just monumentally disappointing to think that just over a month ago we were third in this league and now I don't know we look like we're probably going to be we're more likely to get third from bottom as opposed to third from in this league you know third from the top so I don't know it's just and so a number of times it's just looking at and we can get onto player ratings at the end of 
service thing, however long we talk about this game for. Yeah. Um, but their other players don't deserve don't deserve what happened. Don't deserve to be in. No. I think the rest of the team deserved a clean sheet. To be honest with you. Yeah, because I, I think that's it. Cameron I think... Dawson's just what is it about this this terrible goalkeeper magic trick? Pulling out these crap from the hat, pulling out these <laughs> these poo dog rabbits. There's so many of them. Clean these rabbits, guys. Clean your I rabbits. Think that th- I think that uh, that's the thing, and we've you know we've we've come we circled around this a few times. But Dawson's not a very good goalkeeper. He's all right. He's no, better he than I... Westwood has been, but he's not good enough to be playing for a champ for a team that is, has aspirations of playoffs. I know we're not there. I know we probably won't be there. It's looking increasingly like we're a, a, a mid-table and maybe even a, a lower mid-table club. But he's I not mean, a championship goalkeeper. No, and I mean the funny thing is, I mean, I we kind of talk about how like no one else really watches. You know, we don't. You know, it's not like we're watching Derby every week or we're watching Brentford every week or. Millwall, and I purely name those clubs to just pick a you know a and other random yeah. championship side to kind of you know pick them out from the lineup. But a six I'm, like, and I'm staggered. Championship team. I'm staggered if any other goalkeepers are being this shit consistently. I'd be and very this, surprised. You're right. And You're at this shit consistently that we give a four year contract to. Yeah. I mean, here's the funny thing. You know, you know, Wildsmith has a contract for another year on top of this as well, right? Yeah. So. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna use this term to talk about Barnsley because I didn't think they were particularly up to much cop today, even though we made them look like world beaters. Yes. And I was laughing the fact that basically all the Barnsley players are all these very slight, small youths, basically. And basically going to say the kids aren't all right. But I would say <laughs> the kids aren't all right in terms of our goalkeeping. Like, it's not good. The thing is, you know, as well, he's another thing we've said several times. He's not even a kid. He's 24 I know, how old is he? 24 years old. I know, it's staggering. But I, but maybe it's like, I, I sometimes wonder about, I've wondered about this maybe on a personal level, times in my kind of life when I think sometimes people appear youthful when they do things that are naive. Yes. So I think that's probably it. I think there's just, and I mean, he looks very youthful as well, doesn't he? He does. He's got that kind of, he's got that uh, ruffled ginger barnet. Uh, <laughs> yes. That, you know, you'd be staggered if it doesn't exist outside of a football player. Really, it's that kind of weird, youthful kind of uh, schoolboy, schoolboy look. And then he's, as we said, he's doing schoolboy errors. <laughs> schoolboy errors. <laughs> oh, he needs to do his homework, Rich. He needs to. Um, is he going into tension? Is like, is it just is anything? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, do some it's lines. just. He does this I will once. not. I will not pass directly to the opposition. I will not pass directly to the opposition. To the opposition. <sighs> it's really, it, like you say, it's very frustrating. Today should have been a kind of slap it up your dingles. We were terrible, and we still came away with a. We still with came a, away with three points. Yeah, that should have been what the story of today, and it's not because of. A, just an out of nowhere brain fart clearance and as you say it's not even the first time it's it's not the first time this year we're on the 8th of february he's already done it twice and the crazy thing is i don't trust the other guy i trust the other guy even less than him it's a dreadful position to be in goalkeepers should be like bet your houses on players and we have three that i wouldn't I wouldn't bet, I don't know, I wouldn't bet a shed on. I wouldn't bet anything on them. I don't trust any of them at all. (laughs) Well, no, it's, 
I'm almost getting into this. You remember this time on in the um, you remember this time of having like you used to have like four or five strikers who were all yeah. fairly kind of middling, but then you know things weren't working, and it was the Paul Heffernan effect. You know yeah. how Paul Heffernan must be something about him as a professional football. Surely he is better than this. And I'm beginning to think the same about Joe Wildsmith. Yeah, like because here's the other thing: it's like you look at plenty of other clubs. It's like we looked at um, we're talking last was it against Millwall? Was it Millwall we played at home? It was last week. Yeah, which was nil nil with and Beal Bielkowski and I was looking into the background of Bielkowski. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's at Ipswich, and he was at Ipswich, and he's recently gone to Millwall. And apparently, I think in his last season at Ipswich, I think under Paul Hurst, he was dropped for some kind of errors. And I'm like, I'm staggered if any keeper is making the same level of consistent errors as Cameron Dawson and Kieran Westwood have this season. Yeah, it's been monumental. It has been. I think it's probably been the theme of the season. I think it will be the theme of the season when we look back when this is closed in the history books. Rich, this is it. It's goalkeeping errors has been the key theme of this era of this of this season well let's i mean let's conservatively let's not go sort of forensically through and, and add add them all up but we we i can remember <laughs> no, at let's, least three let, from west let me get the whips out and let me just flagellate myself <laughs> i can remember at least three from westwood that directly cost us points yes yeah so that and then today with dawson that's another two points on top of it if if you add let's say it's two, you know let's be the generous side of things add t- t- add uh you know two points for each of those errors some of them will be more than that well, but this is, uh, this is the funny thing that we said previously you know it's a classic brian clough quote about was it a, a great goalkeeper will get you 10 15 points a season yeah but i think the interesting thing for us is we've seen there's been a point spread of that we've seen i think by just having someone who is an average goalkeeper we could have purely just got like we, we wouldn't we wouldn't have lost 10 points well i i suppose it's two sides of the same coin but yes i i think that's almost what <laughs> what clough is saying is you don't lose these silly points if you've got a good goalkeeper you could you could you know it's, it's, well, it's sort of two well, sides i would of the think it's better and say it's a 20 point spread and i would say that i don't think i've seen enough i really don't think i've seen enough moments from either westwood or dawson to even think they've had moments where they've actually you know kept us alive in game well if we're saying that they've got they've cost us eight points those the goalkeepers between them which i think is probably a conservative estimate that takes us to 52 points which would put us third i would have said 10 points for wednesday well I, i'm i'm I, yeah I, I, so well 10 points puts us uh puts us third on our own one point away from leeds in second two points yeah. away from west brom at the top it's a remember huge, that like <clears throat> no position is as important really as goalkeeper I think up until about six, seven matches ago, we had like one of the best defensive records in the pre- in the league, mm. and it's completely just gone out the window. In Dawson's favour, there've been Sorry. bad team performances of late as well. I don't think it's all him, like because there's been big yeah, defensive but... errors, like Wigan and Blackburn, littered with defensive errors. And as a goalkeeper, there's only so much you can do. Mm. To, to be fair to him, but. But today, there's no, there's no excuses. That's just, it's just terrible, and it's all his fault. It's nobody. There's nobody else to blame. You can't point a finger. And um, this is maybe being petty, but it didn't feel like he was breaking his back to get back into the goal either. After he 
passed it to their man. I know it all happened very quickly, but he was moving at atty pace to get back between the sticks and have any impact. I think, and and to again go on to the mentality of looking at someone who appears young because they appear naive, I I think that's another thing that makes him look youthful, is the fact that I think he's just just a bit lightweight all around, do you know? Mm. And I think that kind of makes him look younger as well. Shall we move along a little bit with the match and then we can kind of... um... Sure. We can address things later, maybe um, when player ratings, if we, if we still have bits to, uh, there's still meat to chew upon at that stage. <laughs> I think we uh, just, um, you talked about that wick and run, which was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, I th- shame about the kind of ball across at the end. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think he he probably couldn't, wasn't aware of uh, of Windass where he was because he was in a fairly good position but probably way behind Wickham in reality like you'd see that on a football match you know on a football game but as a player he's probably quite far away from your field of view so unless he's absolutely screaming um, he wouldn't possibly know but he tried he did try and find Forestieri but Forestieri was was quite a long way behind his man um, so yeah it was a nice moment but disappointing ending to it I just my comment at half time was. We've kind of sacrificed a lot to bring these wingers into the game. And I just didn't think we'd seen enough of the benefit of it. You know, we were letting yeah. Bannon, the, the dice we were rolling was letting Bannon oh, and Pessy get overrun in midfield because mm. we're hitting the flanks. And I don't think either of the fullbacks really got over the halfway line in the first half. So we didn't see the benefit of it. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I would have... I thought it was really brave to start both De Cruz and uh, Forestieri. <clears throat> and I, I thought they were both fairly good today. I, I don't think they were bad performances per se from them. I mean, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, but I I would probably be maybe for, for a winger. I think, I think even if we had two of the last three wingers in the Reach Harris Murphy, I think that maybe would have been better today. Do you think? Possibly. I, you know, it's interesting. So I thought, I thought first half. So yeah, first half looking at the game, I was thinking that the the wingers are having to work really hard to get into the game, and I thought that Cruz was doing the work. I thought he was he was busy. I mean, he looks yeah, he looks a real liability defensively because he he just blunders into tackles and he's he's pretty big, so he's going to give away a lot of fouls. But he was kind of he was there to make the fouls, and I think that's. That's better than you can say for for Murphy, certainly. And uh, I was quite pleased with... All round, I was quite pleased with his game. I thought he looked bright, he looked quick, and he looked strong. And mm, he mm-hmm. kept going all the way to the end. Like, he was still making good runs at, at the end of the game. Um, yeah. I, uh, there's a lot, a lot of positives in, 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 yeah, in the way he played. I thought Forestieri first half hadn't done enough really to work his way into the match. Not helped by the fact that Palmer looked really rattled all, all game. I don't think, well, all, all first half. I, I thought Palmer just looked really harried on the ball, and the press was affecting him more than other people for some reason. Uh, oh. But second half, they both seemed to get things working a bit better, and, and I know Forestieri had. Some really bright moments. Unfortunately, my my stream stopped working for about ten minutes, and it seems to have been the best bit of the half for us. So I mm. missed. Uh, I only saw on Twitter the the gif of Forestieri kind of megging, megging the, one of the Barnsley players. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty great. 
Yeah. And then I only read about the the the, the header for De Cruz and uh, Wickham's header as well. So if you could if you could fill me in on those moments, that would be a delight. Which uh, which moment was that again, Rich? So sort of well, there was I think Farcieri played the ball across for De Cruz and he missed the header, and then De Cruz played a ball in for Wickham, which was another header that that maybe missed or, or was saved. Oh, that wasn't your th- it wasn't a header actually. Oh, so okay. What you're thinking of is some great work from Forestieri to kind of keep it alive down the left he took it he you know got the ball over onto his right and he swung over this lovely cross that when then went into uh de cruz and i thought de cruz had buried it i thought it was in oh i'd actually forgotten about that and actually the mediocrity of the game um but he just rolled it just wide oh, basically that's a shame. um and then the the Wickham header was yeah it was a great cross from the Cruz on the right um, really swung it in lovely but it was it, it very much felt like a tame kind of you know striker getting shot header right you know, yes. one of those. yeah yeah so that was disappointing <coughs> um, so just to go back and I, yeah. I've just I, I want to share just some of my I just make a series of anodyne strange yes. but trying to be funny little comments <laughs> during the first half so. Lisa's distribution was just terrible. Yeah. Just awful. I, it's just driving me absolute bananas. Some of his really awful hoofing from the back. However, from the commentary, um, we did get a lovely bit of commentary from Rob O'Neill where he said that uh, Tom Lee's returned it with some interest, which is probably one of my favorite <laughs> terms. So I, I want to say, is Tom Lee's the merchant banker from playing out the back? And I'm aware of the Cockney double entendre there. Um, I enjoyed, do you remember, was it Simos or Simcos? What's the name of the, the yeah, diminutive, Simos, diminutive uh, Barnsley winger. So I enjoyed the bit where he chucked himself to the ground for a tame penalty shout. And then Bannon having the opportunity to pick on someone his own size for a rare occasion. <laughs> so it was really like two nine-year-olds having out on the playground as we've gone with this. <laughs> This very primary school feel. It's um, it's been a bit Grange Hill this game. Yes, very and good. There wasn't there wasn't any kind of bangers kind of uh, on forks <laughs> coming within the kind of comic comic panel. Unfortunately, um, while we're just while I just want to go back and really just completely just lay my foot into Cameron Dawson while he's kicking while he's down on the ground. Um, so did you notice the fact that like so it looks incredibly bright. Like it looked like it was it was bad to be a goalkeeper in that area. Yeah. So I was wondering, like I, I so I, I commented in my a faux pas from both Kitman and Shitman. Sorry, Cameron Dawson. <laughs> and yet at the thirty-four minute mark, he actually puts on a baseball cap. So he did actually have one. I don't know whether that was just covering his shame. Like, oh, that's why I passed the ball to Woodrow because I didn't have my little hat I on. Didn't see little hat on, and it's, it's just it just makes me think again, like. He has these moments where it's like he's periodically forgetting the basics of being a goalkeeper. Yeah. Not that having a baseball cap is a basic of that. But, you know, in that situation, I'd be thinking, it's like driving, I imagine. It's like, you know, I haven't driven in the day yet. It's part of my driving lessons. It's all at night. And, you know, here we are, you know, still in the winter and it's pretty dark at night. But I imagine if I was driving and the sun was in my eyes, I'd bring down the reflector or bring some sunglasses to put on. See, this is where you're your own experience shows because everyone knows you're taught that what you have to do is um, stare directly into the sun until you crash and then you're allowed to put the visor down that's the only time (laughs) (laughs) the cameron dawson school of driving yeah yeah 
you have to, you know, plow into, you know, potentially drive on the, the drive on the uh, the sidewalk and uh, take out some pedestrians. But what once you've had a collision, then you're allowed to deploy the visor, uh, not before, at no moment before. <laughs> So yeah, just to round off the first half, we only we had one shot. Our only shot was our only shot on target. Yeah, and that was uh, that was when the Trumpy bombs go. Trumpy bombs go. And I just made the comments, the two comments. So Barnsley, they have Alex Moat. They do. Moat is my wash wash tub or whatever it is. The, uh, <laughs> lovely, lovely. Moat is my bathtub. And is Moat the most northern sounding surname ever? It's uh, it's right up there, isn't it? It's like a really bad impersonation of someone telling you um, what, do, what do they do when the grass is long in Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> He's I, playing I made... holding midfield. <laughs> what do you know if, you, if the grass is too long? He's Alex Moat. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliantly. Um, Fuck and I just made dripping. Here he is. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> he's brought his whippet. It's moat. <laughs> Sloshing about, pockets full of dripping. Alex Mowat. Mowat for a knave. <laughs> Here's Brian Glover as a PE teacher. It's Mowat for a knave. And his uh, a classic partner in midfield, Shandon. Shandon. <laughs> Mowat and Shandon. <laughs> And I just made the comment, why am I constantly... So in this, you know, we made this prediction that we'd be mid-table. So why am I constantly bewildered at the middling standard of football put yeah, on display yeah. in a season where I thought we'd be mid-table at best? Like, it's just bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but that's, that, was, that was the first half. That was the first half. Do you want to, to perk you up, do you want a fun Josh Windias uh stat or two i would love a trumpy bomb stat yes he became the 1076th player to appear in a senior game for sheffield wednesday congratulations and the the sixth son to follow his dad in an owl shirt after redfern froggart gary megson neil meller laurie wilson and george hurst nice that's a lovely stat that's a really lovely sweet stat there you go and I heard Dean Windass was at the game as well to watch his he song. He was. Play. There was a very enthusiastic video on, on of him on the way to the game. I didn't. I hope there's a follow-up video of him celebrating the goal because I, I bet he he went mental. <laughs> I enjoy the. Um, so I guess on Twitter there's what is it? There's Mark Crossley and Dean Windass. Yes. Who both do this very kind of uh, working class uh, kick 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 bad mental health into Rose yes, nice. <laughs> This yeah, this kind of very um, just just put a smile on your face and get outside type mentality. Yeah, kind of yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. Which yeah. is I think it's really sweet and inspiring, but maybe not the most. Maybe a touch <laughs> misguided. Maybe. But uh, but I think we're we're getting there. Hopefully, with I think as the conversations about mental health in yes. football, I think it's making baby steps towards Apologies something. Apologies for using the word mental there in a um, a derogatory sense. <laughs> Sorry, I'm apologising or you're apologising? Yeah, yeah, for a change, it's me apologising. <laughs> um, so, uh, second half? Second half. Second half, the point where Luke just gets depressed and stops making notes and, yeah. and just watches the inevitable piddle out. 
to its uh, pithy conclusion. I, I again moaned about the free kicks. I was just wondering, like, is it a coaching thing or a lack of discipline? We seem to, like, put our hands on mm. people first all the time. And if yeah. they are somebody that is of a mind to fall over, it means that they're going to fall over and get the foul. Because we start with a foul and then try and tackle them. To the point yeah. where I am wondering if it it's like that's how we're being taught to tackle. Yes. <clears throat> I get that. Immediately um, clamber over the back, then let go, put your hands up, try and kick the ball. That's the that's how we tackle a Wednesday. I made the very simple, um, while well, Rich is the man who comes out with these very erudite, fantastic uh, readings of the game, I just made the despondent ask the question, we aren't good at keeping possession, are we? This was another game that felt like we just didn't have a plan. I don't know what we were trying to do. Like, mm. we've, we've, we've both kind of had our, our, our moans before about, you know, playing it long or being, too, you know, uh, being pretty direct and things like that. But I don't even know what, I just don't know what, if we were, if Barnsley just sat in their half and let us play our game today, I don't know what the plan was because we never did anything consistently enough to go, okay, what we're doing What is... we're trying to do is this. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. We didn't go consistently go long. I don't think Wickham was, I don't, I don't think there was like much to that. I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, I, you know, I find it funny we both watch the same game through footage, but we have different commentaries. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear um, the weird Cockney stylings of a Barnsley commentator. Um, I also want to look as well, maybe for this episode. I'll try and look for this episode, Rich. But do you remember when I think it was the time of Brian Laws and we went away to Burnley and absolutely romped them 4-2? Yes. And we absolutely, sorry, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say what I was going to say there. <laughs> say something quietly questionable about... Uh, we pillaged. Um, pillaged them, yes. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, there was, I remember it was the mitre goal of the year, and we had to pick, like, Wednesday's goal of the year or something. And oh, yeah. for some reason, they picked for the footage of that game. They didn't have the Wednesday commentary. They had the Burnley commentary. Oh, yeah. And it was the most... Uh, displeased inanimate commentary of leon clark just rifling one in from a Burn <laughs> from a burnley commentator um so yeah i want to find that because it was just i remembered it recently because it was hilarious and i was wondering <laughs> about kind of away commentaries for for games and stuff well that's i see i was robbed of them having really heavily praised barnsley throughout which being generous maybe mm. some was well, some of that was justified um and then i, I was, thought they were was, the better the two teams but, today yeah, yeah. The reason I kind of brought up that commentary was I wanted to tell you about um, John Pearson was saying that basically in the first half he said Wickham won every header. Okay. And I'm like, I can't remember that. I, I can't I feel like that. I feel like this isn't interesting. This is the, um, you know, the, I, mean, I think if we went back off, um, if this was a crime that happened and me and you witnessed it, we'd both <laughs> have very different readings of it. It wouldn't hold up. And it's a, it's a sign of how memory doesn't uh, do very yeah. well. But I think everybody, even though we were all seeing the thing, we all had different, very different readings of this game. Um, yeah, so I just, just, I just didn't know what we were hoping to do. I think second half, maybe we settled into a little bit more of a, a rhythm of, of kind of taking it down one flank and then trying to quickly spring the trap on the other side. Maybe. 
we tried that four or five times. I don't know. It is again. I'm getting frustrated with trying to figure out what the plan is. Like you, yeah. <clears throat> it's so, it, it was really disheartening <clears throat> today because it's. I, I think there were some individual little flashes that were okay, that were you know not bad, but mm. it didn't feel like something to build on. And in the same way, not um, um, the Millwall game didn't feel like something to build on. It just felt like nothing. We we just were there, and we mm. we just didn't do seem to have any aims from the game. And I think we worked fairly hard. I think we were like yeah. all right defensively. But I just don't know what what we what we were hoping to achieve is a complete mystery to me. And it, it's so strange to come away because I think one of the features of, of Monk's time in charge, by and large, has been, okay, yeah, so he's looked at X, Y, and Z and he's trying to do that. You know, game, the best games have been when we've had that clear game plan, and maybe they've yeah. not been pretty, but, you know, we go to Borough and it's a complete aerial bombardment and we, you know, we absolutely have our way with them. Oh. That's that's a kind of, feels to me like a kind of classic Monk performance. But unfortunately, the average Monk performance is a lot more like what we saw today and what we saw last week and it's kind of shapeless and yeah just lacking any any drive and ambition yeah i mean i i mean i don't know i'm getting a little bit sick of the of the rhetoric about blood and guts and passion and all that type of regular stuff that kind of unfortunately really comes from very football managers who put whose kind of portfolio of football style isn't the most you know exciting and sexy you're right. I mean, it's somebody like Gary Monk, he's a defender. Probably the things he would look to in his own personal performances would be <clears throat> the old adage of, you know, winning your battles and things like I, that. I am but, surprised that the football is not like like his autobiography title, Loud, Proud and Positive. <laughs> That's the big thing that kind of throws me. The thing I want to say is like, so you hear stuff is like, oh, we're going to win. And I'm like, but we're not creating chances. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm getting very very irritated and very annoyed i'm gonna look at things from a very kind of basic viewpoint it's like we're not you know monk has said previously he likes thinkers Mm. but we're not giving the attacking players the space or the opportunities to do that magic really to do what we expect them to do maybe it's an over-reliance on thinkers because maybe they they need to be told what to do Maybe that's part of the problem. Too much, there's too much kind of, they're being given too much freedom to think on their feet. And unfortunately, they're not up to it. They need to be drilled in systems and, and ways of play. I just, as I say, today looked like from the outset and it ended up playing like those last kind of crazy 10, 15 minutes where you just chuck everybody on and you hope, as I say, by like balance of, we've just surely, we've got so much attacking quality on the pitch. We must be able to make something happen. And that's almost, there was just no no thinking about how you get between the phases of the game, how you get it from the back to those those players. I know it's not helped by the fact Dawson was his distribution was awful today beyond his how you know awful error. It, actually, it, it, he was really struggling, particularly first half with the wind. He barely got a ball over the halfway line. Mm. But Tom Lee's, as we touched on, dreadful, uh, d- absolutely dreadful playing it out from the back and taking uh, like put very poor touches to set him up himself up for things. So his his passing was always rushed. Mm. Uh, we just didn't so part of that's not coping with the press you know Barnsley press does 
they they're a good fit side. They kept on us the all game in terms of that press. But then we've done well playing around the press before. It's mm. actually one of the things I think broadly we've been pretty good at. But then I think I offer and Berner are key to that as centre backs because both of them have the quality to knock it past the guy that's charging directly at them, and then you've got all that room to pick your next pass. Because that's how, you know, you, you beat the press by either having quality passing over the top, so you pick out men who can't be marked as tightly because you're chasing the ball around, or you have the quality to push beyond that initial line of the press, and then you've got all this time and space to pick your passes. But today we mm. just let them panic us. We never, we didn't have enough quality on the on the ball at, t- coming out from the back to ever do anything other than just lump it away. And we weren't even lumping it away very well. We were barely making the halfway line, so we just didn't make any progress at all. I, the and interesting I was, thing I, I want to, I really want to pick up on Rich is I really like your idea of do they need to be told what to do. So do Wednesday need a totalitarian 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 state and then there's a question is Munkar Stalin or Hitler in this situation (laughs) (laughs) I think Gary could be our Trump I think he could come up with a perfect game plan absolutely perfect (laughs) can you just give us a state can you give us a state of the union please Rich (laughs) I'm looking and uh, there's some players here you know some of these guys not my sort of people not gonna talk to those people some of these guys my kind of people. <laughs> Not enough Russians in the team, I don't think. I'd like a couple more Russians leading from the front. <laughs> I love your impression, Rich. Um, I do want to say it's a bit Larry David doing the Donald Trump <laughs> role. <laughs> It's 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 mate it's it's definitely along those lines of yeah um, Larry David or uh, Alec Baldwin's uh, Alec Baldwin's Trump. There's a lot yes. of hand gestures as well, which really help in person, uh, but it doesn't come across. It doesn't come across the medium of podcast or audio medium. Yes. <laughs> um, any any anything else before we sort of close off the match and then get to some some player reviews? Oh, Murphy's big chance. Yeah. Uh, I, I know it down. I said of. that was that a was, chance. It was a lovely ball through from Krush. Really nice. What did you also make while we're just going back to really just put the foot in against? Um... Oh, actually, I'm just going to do a quick. Uh, let's do a quick roundup of some of Luke's uh, silly comments. Um, Enjoyed the baseball cap debacles in this game. Barnsley Keeper has a baseball cap, but it seemed to be advertising some local gaudy-looking brewery. <laughs> right. <laughs> did you notice that? It was like, I didn't notice that, but that's a... It that's was a black lovely. with, like, pink writing, like, electric pink oh. writing on. And I'm like, wouldn't you have, like, a Barnsley cap, right? They didn't have one. They just had to borrow one from one of the uh, the staff working uh, working the uh, the kiosks around the ground. Yeah. Barnsley looked like a lot of small hobbit-like teenagers. But I think that kind of we've kind of covered that before. Yeah. Um, bam, bam, bam. And this is what I want to kind of go off to. You know, I think we had a couple of let-offs. What did you make of the uh, marauding um, Majid Bouguera-like run from Dawson to kind of clear that one? Oh, and how exceptionally lucky was he that we didn't that you know he wasn't the uh, he wasn't playing to the tune of minus three points. A uh, hugely lucky. This is where he sort of punched the ball out from the edge of the box and then kind of chased it, but missed the <laughs> didn't get the ball on the chase, and their player would just was 
it looked like he was just going to run through and score, but thankfully Tom Lees had cleared the ball. He, he sort of miscontrolled it, I think. He took, he took a yeah. heavy touch and, and Lees cleared it, but just awful again. And, and entirely unnecessary <laughs> again. Ah, oh, bizarre. Absolutely bizarre performance from him today. I would say not like him, but then we don't know what he's like, really, and there's been too many of these sort of silly things so that was that was sort of late on wasn't it that was kind of 85 minutes yeah and i mean i don't know i I, you know i looking back at the game i thought we were probably lucky not to come away with absolutely nothing it was it was shit it was it was bad we probably deserved nothing i'll be honest shall we move on to to player ratings yeah let's rate those players cameron dawson cameron dawson gets a whopping five out of ten a generous five <laughs> well i was even wondering about giving a four but i i don't know it, it just seems very that would probably be very yeah. knee jerk his saving grace was that one one versus one that he did very well and was brave with wasn't it yeah but two just stinking moments and what one that he got away with one that we were punished for i think he's let's let him get away with his five um but he can count himself lucky he should do some lines he really should he should well cocaine might aid his concentration oy, oy, oy. Um, hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. as we hope he says yeah dominic iorfa oh dear i don't know 6.5 yeah i think that's just fair enough <laughs> I think he was, a lot of he had, he had some really good moments. I mean, there's one moment actually in the first half he made this big error and then he like gallops back to, to win lovely. it back, and that was lovely. And I'm like, and I actually made a note which I didn't share, which was actually what would we do without Dominic Iorfa? And yeah. basically in this day, I'm wondering if I'd probably be in relegation. I'd be honest, we'd probably be sniffing around the bottom three. Um, so he's good. I just I don't know why. Just going back to the formation. Can we stop playing at right back? Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. This is hilarious considering that. For the beginning, cue back to the podcast. For the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. Dominic Iolfa is the best right back at the club. Make him right back. <laughs> and suddenly, I think, because that's the thing, I think we have, I look at this and I think, Odebajo's fine. He, was he bad last time? No, he's good at left back. Oh, and then he, he last time he's on right back. Right back. Yeah. Why, where did he go? What is he? I don't know. But then also, it's weird that Origide's gone from. I know he. I know he had a tough time in one of the games, but but that was just one game. There's no. He seems to have been absolutely reason to. There's no reason to uh, shove him in the closet, never to see him again. You know. Um, I know. I don't know why. I don't know why we need to think. I I'm beginning to think the problem is Tom Lee's. Like I don't know why we need to keep shoehorning Tom Lee's into the starting eleven. I know he's the club captain, and there's a there's a loyalty there. But f- for me, it's it's not so much that Tom. I, I've got less faith in Tom Lee's than I used to at centre back. But for me, it's more it's the overall effect of having him there instead of Iorfa because it means we lose Iorfa in what now is clearly his best position. We lose Berner's best partner. Um, and I would think that Urigide or Odebajo would probably have provided a better attacking outlet than Iorfa did today. His kind of, his rangy runs work really well as, as a kind of break of the system from centre-back. But mm. it's, it's fairly easy to defend against when he's a right-back. Because mm. it's all a bit gangly and inefficient, even though he's fast and all the rest of it. So it's quite easy for a full-back to, who's just paying attention to sort of nip in and, and get the ball. 
So, yeah, I, as I say, immediately I was disheartened by, for all the excitement of the, what was going on at the front end, I was immediately disheartened by that centre-back pairing. Yeah, so I, I don't know why we need to dance around and to do this to really undo the best things that we have at the club, you know? And not to put too fine a point on it, I know the rest of the performance wasn't great, but they got they kept a clean sheet last time out. Why change their... Yeah. And why back clean sheet? I really don't know. I don't think there's. I, I I really don't get it. Anyway, so not one of the brighter Dominic Ayorfa games, but he was still fine. He was still okay. Yeah, he I mean didn't that's the thing. It. I mean, outside of we're, we're going to the, sorry, outside of you know, I thought we were all right defensively. As as you know, outside yeah. of yeah. Dawson just gift gifting, you know, giving a late Christmas present to Barnsley. Their two best chances were. Dawson passed it to Woodrow and Dawson punched it out and chased after it to go on his own mazy run. Those were the two best chances. Those were the two scariest moments. And one of them they took, the other one they didn't. But they were both directly <laughs> Dawson's fault and not particularly the fault of the defence. Okay, yeah. so we're going 6.5 for Iortha. Tom Lees? Mm-hmm. Tom Lees. <sighs> Six. Yeah, fair enough. I I don't know. God, his clearances were terrible today. Just awful. He also kept making touches that invited the. You know that when they were when they because they were so set on pressing, they were they were on us all the time, Um, and they kind of seemed to sort of double their efforts when it was a a negative pass or 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 we took an extra touch. Some of Tom Lee's first touches were so bad as well, like controlling it six feet up in the air in front of him and things just inviting more and more pressure on so he's not even giving himself the chance to make decent clearances let alone anybody else uh so let's move along to burner well let's give burner a 6.5 just because he was purely a little bit better than tom lee's Mm. but i mean outside of that i don't know i I just think, because that's the problem, because you're shoehorning, by by tearing up that partnership of Iorfa and Werner, you're just, why are you knowingly making other players worse? I know. You know, I'm not going to talk about this a great deal. This was, so there's a really interesting kind of situation that happened um, at, uh, at one of my employers, where basically they were wanting someone who... <clears throat> they were wanting someone who could do a particular skill, but the other people in the company didn't want to hire someone to do that. So what they ended up doing was giving, trying to give the skill to other people to do. And basically, someone I, one of my former bosses, basically said, "Why are you giving X person the chance to, you know, negatively impact their performance by having them do something they're not supposed to be doing?" Mm. So I know this is a bit roundabout, and I'm trying to be kind of confidential with this, but like the point I'm trying to say is though you you you're purposely making someone worse. Yeah. So why yeah. are we doing that to Burner? Burner's a fantastic centre back for us. It's been a great free signing. Iorfa's a fantastic centre back. Why are we throwing the baby out of the bathwater? Why are we ruining free positions by I'm by moving Iorfa to right back when we could just have a potentially questionable? What happens? The worst happens is that we put I know Adebayo right back and he has a bad game or maybe he has a bad game so much that we sub him or Ugo Hide has another chance at right back that's one position we're losing three positions out of the four here but that weirdly seems to be Monk's go-to we've had it in several games now whether it's happened, uh, you know, the injuries happened during a match or, or before the match. To, to change one person, he's changed three 
positions, four positions. There was one of the games where everybody moved, if you remember, because we had one injury at the back and every single defender moved to accommodate. Yeah. It's such I know, a strange thing. Why are we just throwing the baby out of the bathwater? I don't know if that's... And, and our strong are... suit, as you say, like our defence, by and large, has been our best, one of our best facets this season. So I just don't understand why you change every part of that. <laughs> It's 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 baffling. It's really frustrating. I mean, the more performances we have like this, the you I sort of mentioned earlier, you know, oh you're worried that that, that Monk doesn't want to take on the challenge. Well, he needs to prove that he's the guy you want to trust with the challenge. And this sort of thing is, yeah. is stupid. There's no two ways about it. There's no, well, no kind of hindsight 2020 about it. It's just not clever like team management to make that many changes at the back so often. Anyway, yeah, let's move I, along to... But that's, but that's kind of going to the question, I think, earlier that we said, you know, if Monk's contract's up at the end of the season, there's been things that made me think we should progress with Monk. But sometimes I'm like... Should we be progressing with Monk? Yeah. Um, I, I looked up a, a, the BBC article when he signed, um, and they just said that uh, the Owls, who are 11th in the championship table, have not disclosed the length of Monk's contract. Uh, so I think we've always just been a bit cloak and dagger cloak with, and, yeah. with uh, managerial contracts. It, it might well be that it's a year with, you know, with options. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, mm. Liam Palmer. Maybe give Palmer a six today. I think the fullbacks really didn't do their job today, by and large. I think. I think that's very fair. If, if there's a if there's a plan in terms, if you look at that formation and you say what what is the aim there, and clearly the aim is to try and overwhelm them on the flanks because they're very centralised. They've got nine of their outfield players in the middle, and not nine, eight of their outfield players in the middle, and the only width is those two fullbacks. So the aim, the aim of having Forestieri and Cruz and Iofa and Palmer to just overwhelming them and outnumbering them has got to be, that's how we, we set out to play the game. It didn't happen, and they were a big part of that because I just don't think the quality of possession from everybody at the back, but particularly the fullbacks, was 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 good enough. I don't know. I think it's interesting. You know, you talk about do we need again that overarching question of do they need to be told to do, what to do these yeah, players? Yeah. But I'm also wondering, is it the right people to tell them what they need to be doing? Mm. Like, I don't know. I I I'm staggered. There didn't look to be a plan today. Um, I, I do think we plan- have people at the club who analyze the opposition. Mm. And probably also then, you know, these people must tactically know what we're supposed to be doing. But I just, I don't get that confidence. I do think Palmer always struggles with the press. He's not Mm. a confident man in possession, generally. No, no, which is probably why I think the best I think we've seen from Palmer is when I think he's moved away from, you know, remember the time under under Yoss that they wanted him to be a a wing, you know, a wing back. Yes, yeah. And he wasn't good going forward. He wasn't good going up that pitch so i think it things got better and easier for him when i think they basically just kind of said to him look just do the basics yeah yeah okay um i'm bracing myself monsieur belubeshi um well here's a funny thing rich i don't really want to talk much about joey pelopesi because i'm kind of done with talking about joey pelopesi he was okay he was okay. I, don't I know, thought six. he was pretty. Act- he was pretty active and busy today for him. <laughs> I, 
can't remember anything he did on the pitch. Okay. I'm going to give him a, a six. Lovely. Well, that, that that must mean you want to whip along to Barry Bannon. What did Bannon do? I, I, there's uh, a, terrible a set funny, pieces again. Yes, as well. Yeah, they were bad, and that's, that's why I was really glad to see Murphy come on. Yes, like that means we don't get to see, we get to see less of uh, Baz's terrible set piece. And I also want to make ask, ask you the question, Rich. Do you think uh, Bannon looks more useless taking set pieces? Or more useless, just watching Murphy take set pieces. <laughs> I think he's really good at putting his hands on his hips, <laughs> sticking his little belly out. Actually, <laughs> I I don't know what 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 is up with Baron Bannon right now. Do you think it's to do with? Do you think it's maybe that partnership with with Joey P? It doesn't. It does. It doesn't help. I don't think. Um, I don't know. He just looks a bit weary. He's giving a ball away a lot more than usual. I don't know whether that's because he's trying to force things to happen. He's a big part of this as well, you know, just not feeling like there's no game plan. I don't know what mm. he's aiming to do when he gets the ball. Yeah. And uh, what he seems to do more often than not is just pass it to their fullbacks or pass it to their centre-backs. It's really... Um, Oh, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. It is a tough I don't time. Like I mean, watching I... him be this poor. No, and you know, we talk about we talked about this looking like a very miserable kind of tough side that's kind of trying to work at stuff. Mm. It doesn't look to be any great inspiration or passion or joy. And I think it really comes through the most with uh, comes through the most with Bannon because he just doesn't look doesn't look he looks uh, doesn't look a happy boy. I think as well the thing a criticism of Bannon even even in the best of times is <clears throat> he's a big like blame guy you know blame culture <laughs> like yeah, yeah, he loves yeah. tearing into players and bending, he really does shouting he at really people does. the thing is if you're not doing your job you can't keep doing that surely you're in no position to uh, keep throwing throwing rocks in your glass house but he still does yeah and it I don't know that can't help sort of atmosphere and attitude wise the guy who's just passed it to their fullback under no pressure is you know tearing you a new one I don't know it's what do you think a lot, a lot of players think that kind else of feels a little bit like the well that felt a little bit like the whole um you know that was the whole kind of uh Kieran Westwood kind of yeah. story wasn't it yeah. Do you think that's like another issue with this kind of? Uh... I don't know because we don't. I don't want to point a finger at Ban, and I, I'd hate to think he's another one of those guys. Because, but then Hutchinson seems to love Wednesday, and as you say, want you know wants to be involved till he's till he retires and all well, the rest of it. But what he's doing is seems to be unhelpful to was been viewed as unhelpful by two different managers now. And I just, you don't know. I mean, Bannon's been around as long as those other players. He's always been involved. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you had to sort of say that, oh, who's who's the clique with, you know, cliques within the club, it tends to be Bannon and Hutch get on fairly well, it seems. So I, they both... The really interesting thing about Hutchinson is he seems like, I don't think there's anything, I really, I never see him tear into players. He seems to have a good attitude on the pitch. Yeah. So that's the really weird thing with that one. You know, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just bizarre what's going on at well, Wednesday. Somebody right made now. the comment about Hutchinson that, you know, if you were, you know, a sergeant or whatever, I don't know war stuff, but um, let's just stick with it. But if you were... <laughs> 
sergeant in like you know world war one and you're readying your men for going over the top in the trenches once more into the breach and all that stuff yeah all that stuff all that palaver you'd want hodge by your side he'd be the first guy you pick right i think so yeah he's a he's a you know stormtrooper he's the guy so it's weird that he's the guy that seems to be a problem attitude wise and i wonder what form that takes so how can you be on the pitch the guy that's full of the most vim and vigor and want to get stuck in and Mm. want to drive everybody forward and g everyone up but then we're now on a second manager who feels like well what you're doing in the dressing room is so unhelpful to me i don't want you there so for all the good that you can do on the pitch is undone by i don't know what is it is it attitude in training is he questioning things whatever it is it's it's now not a coincidence it's happened twice i guess so i mean we're hoping for we're hoping for the best for wednesday we're hoping for the like a good end to the season even though i i feel like i'm i don't know about you rich i'm not i'm not gonna put words in your mouth i'm pretty resigned to a mid-table finish Yes. How about you? Yeah. But I guess this is the difficult thing is like you've got a manager who's making a stand against what's going on in the dressing room. So in effect, it's not going to get I don't know when it's going to get better, but it's not definitely not going to get better overnight, is it? No, no. That's what that's the thing. Like <laughs> that kind of searing post-match interview laying into play that I can't protect these players anymore. They're not doing the right things. And then having basically and exactly the same team lineup against Millwall, and it wasn't. We didn't get a response. That, that we didn't charge out the gates against Millwall like a, a team possessed because we'd really had we'd had to face some home truths. Mm. It was dreadful. There was no atmosphere. There was no drive. And then today, obviously, we've rung the changes in a way, but eh, a pretty apathetic look all round so we've done a big call to arms and tearing people down <laughs> well, i don't know i just don't know what comes next because you've only got so many choices within the squad so how far do you take that we talked about how you know already not playing hutchinson hurts us what if pelopesi or bannon gets injured does kieran lee play midfield on his own because he's the only good guy is it kieran lee and hunt do you, and you know, is is Hutch never playing again because he's a bad a bad egg? What, what you know, take everything to the extreme. What, at what stage does he get drafted back in? It's these are all I don't know. fascinating yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah, which we well, can't I, even hope to know the answer to. I know, and it, you know, it's funny you talk about characters, but you know, from what I kind of see on the pitch and what I kind of infer about personality, I don't see like a lot of the players in midfield like that much different from Massimo Luongo right now. You know, no. No. Well, yeah. where's, what's happened with him? Just a groin strain, apparently. But, I mean, they're, they're pretty nasty things. So, who knows when he's back and when he's back. And, but, you know, he's a player we miss heavily. Oh, well, certainly now. If you're not playing Hutchinson, he's the only player with any bite in midfield. Mm. Um, let's, uh, did we give Bannon a score? I think, did we give him a six? Okay. I think that's fair. That's damning for Bannon, but it's fair, I think. It's damning for Bannon, but I mean, this is, this is the state of the union regarding, uh, we Baz right now. Let's go to one of the wingmen, Alessio da Cruz. Um, I thought he was one of the brightest players for us today. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say a seven. Is that generous? I think it is generous, but then, you know, let's cling to that little glimmer. Um, 
amidst the fact that he had so much industry and there was so much running and he was bright and it's kind of like i know sometimes i felt it's a little bit like saying that this is what i kind of hoped we'd get from forestieri more often yeah you know um he was good yeah no i'm happy with that uh windass in the middle you know, here's a funny thing. He scored, and it was a great finish. Um, I feel like me and you are probably going to disagree on this. I, I could really can't remember much of what he did outside of that. There was a few moments, but I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit like I, I would think he was probably a little bit similar to how we've seen from Adam Reach. Interesting. I thought he was an option. I thought he did a lot of like running to 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 give opportunities to people. I I think he was what? a victim of. Mm. The, the desperately poor passing that we had all game today. Because, sorry, go on. Sorry, I wanted to ask you, Rich. Um, what what did you think his position was? Because I couldn't work out where he was on the pitch. Well, that's. I think that was the point, though. He was just trying to find and create gaps. Yeah. So he was he was the part of the kind of. I mean, I'm giving a lot of. I'm being generous to the game plan here. <laughs> but second half, when when we had our spell, what we seem to be doing is working it down a wing and then s- switching it quickly to another wing. And and I think what Windass was was trying to do was was be part of that kind of outnumbering them on one flank or the other. So if he was involved and close, he would help out on the near flank. And if uh, he wasn't involved, he'd make sure he was part of the then the kind of breakaway ball or pass on the opposite flank. So he was quite often on the edge of their box, you know, opposite play. And if we'd got better balls in from wide, I think he would have probably been there to... to I think, yeah, second strike is probably a, a, a fair um, sort of attempt at it. But it was more just that kind of just trying to trying to 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 create out moments where they were outnumbered defensively it just didn't mm. work particularly well because we never built a platform in the game mm-hmm. but I, yeah i don't think in terms of what he actually did you're right goal aside not a huge amount of influence although i do think he worked pretty hard sure i could say about reach as well yeah well i almost thought about him did i mention i thought about him in the reach kind of mentality you did I say did. that yeah i did say that okay yeah um, but he scored which puts him ahead of reach this season yeah i most of them <laughs> <laughs> oh god i love reach but it's i not know so do i so do i um, okay the, so you think we're the adam six... we are the adam reach kind of apologists aren't we really yeah yeah although it's Probably getting are. increasingly difficult increasingly difficult to uh keep our keep our stance on that one i think a 6.5 is fair yeah i'm happy to go along with that uh forestieri i'm gonna give a 6.5 to i think i think he was he was decent you know it it's uh it's a bit more of what i like to see from forestieri i think it's just i know we talk about even though recently it's not working for bannon we talked a lot about previously about like the Bannon games where, you know, Bannon did everything but get an assist. Mm. And I'm almost thinking in a bit of a lesser, much lesser sense, it's becoming a little bit like that for Forestieri in a weird way. If you know what I'm... If you're yeah, I'm, up, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated that I missed, I think, his bright patch in the game. Because yeah. when I got my stream back that was when he pretty soon after that he was taken off um yeah which i thought was, i i thought I, first I half see... he didn't do enough for me to be honest i thought first half he was fine he was okay but it, it wasn't nothing was really working for us first half yeah. and i mean i think really the main threat was really 
Dacruche on the right. Yeah. That was really the main focus of attacking, um, was down that right flank. And maybe that's not fair because he's not... I don't... I think he's never been particularly quick, Forestieri. Um, but he's sort of one of these guys that's like, on, on uh, in football manager terms, he's like acceleration, probably like 15, 16, but his top speed is is more like 10 yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so like he's he's quick like witted his his thinking is fast and his first like yard is quite is pretty nippy he goes from standing to running pretty nicely but he's not that quick whereas i think yeah. the cruise looks genuinely sort of worryingly pacey and i think that does that does make opportunities for him that that forestieri is just not going to have maybe that's the difference between their two performances first half was just he holds that he holds that fear for the opposition because it's like if i get the wrong side of him i'm never going to get back on side of him whereas with forestieri you're going to get another nibble because he's not that fast yeah which again just makes me just wonder you know i liked both of them today but Mm -hmm. i i wondered about whether harris murphy or bringing reach in as one of those would be would be better. I was pleased when Murphy came on. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to his rating. He wasn't on for very long, but I was pleased when he came on. I thought he sort of showed a little bit of what we might have been missing down the flanks. Mm. I don't know. It's like you said, I think Forestieri's now in the position where he needs something to show for. It's been two sort of bright ish, bright performances. He's, he's kind of lit things up, but at the moment, we've got nothing tangible to show. Nothing from. to show. There's nothing that's to show next, for it. That's the next yeah. thing that's got to come isn't it definitely yeah because otherwise i mean still you know right now as we stand as it stands you know forestier is a very expensive luxury for yeah us. one that we can't really afford to have in terms of this football club and wage bills you know aye oh, so six and a half that's fair enough connor wickham mm-hmm. leading the line today connor wickham he was okay i don't know i want to give him a six but then i feel that maybe 6.5 i think he's but this is the funny thing like you said he he looks rusty and he looks like he needs time i'm like i get that but also nice is i thought i think he looks he looks fit and fit is different than match sharp but he looks yeah he he didn't he wasn't chugging he played a full 90 minutes to uh, well no he didn't play the full 90 minutes but he played 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 80 minutes and it wasn't like he was blowing or struggling so that's that's good yeah i was surprised we um we didn't um i was surprised he went off almost me too i thought he could have stayed on i, I was wondering whether he would have brought new you and wickham for a 4-4-2 like i think that just, would have been worth trying definitely i think we would have just got it long and just seen what uh seen what shook basically yeah yeah um, i was disappointed at that sob not because that he came on but because he came off for uh for Atty. what did you think of the subs because i i quite liked i think at the time i was like i quite liked the first two i thought they were both decent decisions yeah i think they they had the effect that they were supposed to have as well i, I do think they were good subs um and murphy i mean he did have a wonderful chance that's probably the best chance we made all game and because I don't really count the goal as a chance that we made. Well, yeah, I know. Well, everything alongside that, I mean, that was, I wrote down in my notes, that was the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we didn't really, that was to play into, that was how it's supposed to be for us as a counter-attacking side. Yes. That is really how it's supposed to kind of, you know, rattle out. And and he did yeah. have another chance to play, he had a chance to play the reverse pass, didn't he? Because um he hit that one with the outside of his foot which he should have done better with where Cruz had kind of pulled into some space uh that happened after his chance and i thought um yeah i thought he probably could have done a little bit better with the pass because that would have been another opportunity for for Cruz to to get away and uh, maybe have a shot on goal 
good. That was the couple of bits of good counterattacking that we did. That and yeah. Wickham's, Wickham's run in the first half. Mm. So anyway, the thing I want to say was, so despite the fact that, I mean, yeah, he doesn't look, you know, Wickham doesn't look match sharp, like you say, which I think is a really good point. I still want to say he's, um, his performance today, even though it's a 6.5, that's a pretty strong and pretty heavy 6.5 in comparison to Rhodes and Winnall. Yes. Who've done, look like they've done barely nothing in comparison. Look, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. No, it's a 6.5, but you know he's going to get better from here. Yeah, is, I mean, this is... is a, that's the bright spark, isn't it? That I think him, Cruz, Forestieri, I would I would add Windass, but I, I do take your point that he largely not particularly effectual today. But um, though, though all those forward options put in a good case for themselves. And as they grow more familiar with their teammates uh, in Wickham's case as he gets used to playing first team football again it's all going to be it's all going to be nice positives for us and uh, it's it, that's a, a good spot to be in in some ways we just yeah. need to get the other half of the squad sorted out. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to say is there is that, like, I think coming into the club, I was worried that was Wickham going to be injury-free? Mm. And that is still the concern. But the interesting thing is looking at it, even a even a rusty Wickham is still, uh, like, infinitely better than some of our current options, which I think is just damning against some of the strikers we have at the club, really. Definitely. Um, just Should we go through them substitutes then? Uh, we've got Kieran yeah. Lee came on first. Kieran Lee six, six yeah. five. I don't know. I don't know about Kieran Lee. It wasn't a good Kieran Lee performance. He gave away more than what he did with his few moments on the ball. He gave away two or three really silly, pointless fouls, and that at the end could have, we could have lost the game because of that needless kick after the player had beaten him. Yeah. That, that, that the very last sort of free kick was just uh, the one he got a yellow card for. Just no, no need for it. Yeah. <laughs> And and it could have cost us. It didn't, but it, it could have easily. It was probably the, one of the best opportunities they had to put the ball in of all the ones we gave them. Um, yeah. Okay. Six. I think is fair enough. Uh, Jacob Murphy. Six point five. Um, what did you say? Sorry. Six point five. Six point five. Yeah. Fair enough. I think he was. He looked really bright. I, I was pleased when he came on. Um, as you say, partly because set pieces got markedly better. Mm. Do you see? Are we in a position where he kind of needs to be on the pitch as much as possible just to save us from Bannon's terrible corners and free kicks? I think so. I I mean, I would. I I don't know. I mean, it's kind of coming into. This is the difficult thing: is that you have players who you know really should be doing more with the opportunities they have, mm. and should be creating more opportunities. And you know, can we afford to be playing giving players who are playing out of form? And the thing is, like we've just criticised Bannon, but we can't really afford to not play Bannon. No, but I think we've we've got too many of those players right now. You know, like yeah, yeah. I yeah. think there's there's reach. You know, I would just pretty much just play reach all the time. I'll be honest, just in case you know, waiting for that moment of quality. But it's markedly and nastily frustrating when nothing happens in those situations. Yeah, it it's been strange because you know you look at what's the, the you know going back to I off for right back is really disheartening because you're like what are we learning the lessons that we need to be learning and that the other thing that i would add to that is reach on the left wing like i don't i think he sort of was hitting his stride as a left winger and he got 
assists in like three games back to back, and then and then he, he scored at Wigan for now. Yeah, and then, but then he loses his position, and there's no real reason, rhyme or reason for it. I I don't know. It's just really strange. Like you say, it's these are the moments where, like everybody, everybody's being assessed. You know, if your contract's up, are you worthy of another contract? Are you doing enough? Mm. And these are the moments where Monk is like, are you are you taking the lessons from each game that we need to be taking so that we kind of build a better performance next time out? And I don't, mm. I just don't know. Yeah. To be, you know, to be generous, maybe we're going to have a couple of weeks of throwing different formations at the wall and seeing what sticks because we've now got all these options. Today we picked all of the options. <laughs> You know, from the menu, we yeah. were handed the smorgasbord of uh, of the January transfer window and said, "Yes, please." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it will not. We wouldn't get away with it today's. We didn't get away with today's formation really today. But w- they managed to pass it to Windows in the box, so we we kind of got away with it. We won't get away with this ever again. I don't think. I mm. never want to see that eleven again because we'll we'll lose more often than we even get scramble to a draw so uh, weird times weird times and we're slipping into that bit of the season where if if we are going to be mid-table things start getting odd performance wise don't they not just from us but from other teams teams who are comfortably mid-table who've kind of lost the glimmer of the playoffs start to put in strange performances and lose games to those teams lower down because they're fighting for their lives and then a good third of the division is kind of getting ready for their holidays yeah it'd be nice to not be in that group but it's looking increasingly that way <laughs> okay finally atinuyu came on for a 10 minute jaunt six six he didn't do I much can't, i can't remember what he did i'll be honest but he gets a six yeah he gets a six well i, I don't know i don't think it's worthy of uh, of damning damning no. you know what i mean yeah that's that's sometimes a situation. Did they do enough? I, well, I think that's the funny thing. I've given Wickham a 6.5, yet I've said markedly has been so much better than a lot of our other strikers. Mm. So, yeah, the question is, yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. And it's weird doing the player ratings because there are individuals who did quite well today, and but collectively it wasn't very good. Yep. It was really disheartening today. Yeah. It wasn't angeringly bad, but it was it was depressing, to be honest. It, it, I kind of wish it was angeringly bad. Yeah, because I don't know. It's it's kind of did the you know did the players think that was acceptable today? I don't know. I mean, we've we've recorded straight after the match, so we've not had chance to even sort of get Monk's reading on it. But you know, we we could have got away with it, and maybe it's better that we didn't get away with it. We could have won this game having played really badly and had no plan. You know, we're we're one goalkeeping error away from a win. But I I know, but I don't think it's ever gonna. The performances are ever gonna get that much better than this. That's these, the problem. Well, we've had too many of these sort of performances, haven't we? Where you know they they've been five and we've been five and a half. Today we weren't even five and a half. We were, we were like four and they were four and a half. <laughs> they were better, but not by much. But it was almost enough because we got really good players. They just don't seem to have know what they're doing at the moment oh it's um well you know it's a big week i think i think the looting game now becomes very important because we should have picked up three points here by you know looking at form and looking at league positions and all the rest of it we should be yeah. beating honestly we should be we should beat luton uh if we don't win either of those then 
Uh, but we said this about really need to be asked. We said this about home ties with Hull City. We said this about Millwall at home. We said that about Cardiff. There's a lot of teams we should be beating, but we don't. Mm. It's just the nature of it as well for me. That's the today's so and and Millwall. You know, to kind of you know tear the paint off the off the walls in the. Uh, in the dressing room with how angry you are and then get a Millwall performance. It's rubbish. It's really not good enough. <laughs> I, I want to yeah. see them come out and tear after the opposition and maybe make mistakes, maybe do silly things, but, you know, show that they care, show that they want it. We've not seen any of that. There's no heart in this. Mm. It's miserable. And on that wonderful note... <laughs> I think we should wrap things up. <laughs> it's such a Why not? place to Why leave not? it. But, oh my goodness. Bad day. Bad day. Oh my, oh my days. Oh my days. At least we're not Barnsley. That's <laughs> and yet, the main takeaway. Did you think that the hilarious thing I think I thought about a lot of this stuff was I was looking at Barnsley and I was looking at, was it Connor Chaplin? I think it is. Yes. Or I don't know. They have so they've got some of the weirdest names for some of their players. Uh, Connor yeah. Chaplin and Corley Corley Woodrow. Yes. And I I think this may be. Uh, I was looking and I was thinking I quite like the look of Connor Chaplin, and I feel that's damning to say, you know, because mm. I feel like it's a very Wednesday-ish signing. One that's kind He's of basically Winnell. He is basically Winnell. Yeah, we could basically just sign Winnell mark two from barnsley again yeah and they wouldn't be as good as they were at barnsley yeah <laughs> <sighs> a big old side to round things off i'm gonna say cheerio luke have a good one Rich. all right bye <laughs> Thank you.